it about the, the short story? I suppose your reputation certainly, this book seems to be partly introducing to, to a British audience as a, I'm, as I'm a great, story writer. I'm, great, I'm grateful for that. Um, is there something about your imagination? And you were saying earlier about you like the, the sort of the tension that maybe I was saying this actually about the tension between the concision and the sense of breadth. Is there something about you, that you that you respond to particularly with the the short stories? Uh, I'm hesitating because it's going to. I'm going to sound uh, I don't know, almost evangelical, <laughs> which never never uh, never an attractive trait. Um, I, I, I suspect that I feel, I believe, I would not be surprised if this is the case, that the short story form resonates with people uh, at, a, at a biological level. Uh, I think we as humans have evolved to, uh, in, in concert with the short story, with this 30-minute this wedge of communication that touches the sentiments through experience through specificity it, it it is a tool a sense of processing information of processing uh largely emotional information but also you know mm. the basic information of being human and and uh uh you know i know that sounds pretty pretty whack and 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 uh uh again evangelical but I, when I'm in a short story as a reader, I'm comfortable. I'm, it's like listening to a song. And I think that the short story form is as primal to our brain, that, that, that traditional, elegant, orthodox, uh, conventional, beginning, middle, and end, lens-shaped movement toward resolution from conflict is, um, has, has found resonance in, our, in our, the strange uh, caverns and, and ravines and terraces of, of our brain's contours. Uh, I think we have grown up as a species with short stories, uh, orally and then later written. Um, and, and that's, uh, yeah, that's what I believe. And, uh, yeah. I, did, I, I suppose I was wondering if I could tie it to, to what we were talking about at the beginning about the a sense of, of your environmental activism and, and a lot of the stories had um, a sense of, of things being, uh, 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 there was a lot of vanishing, pe people disappearing, places disappearing maybe. Uh, one of the stories I was particularly struck with was was Pagans, um, yeah. which, which had a, a very obvious tr tr triangle where people were all sort of not quite getting what they wanted, or but there was this ex extraordinary sense of discovering a world under which which was 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 under threat, a stream full of metal. It never really occurred to me what was actually happening until uh, until a bit later in the story when they they take a sample of the river and, and discover it's it's poisoned. Is your fiction isn't in any way didactic or doesn't insist on on a, a sort of, on any kind of um, on any kind of message? But is that sense of of things vanishing? Is that tied to to? Can I tie that? Can I ask you to tie that um, to? To your, your, your obviously your grave fears about what's going on um, to the planet and the, to the world. Um. Yeah, no, and, and uh, <laughs> you can throw uh, your question out the window if you want. <laughs> well, I think I will. Thank you. Uh, um, I mean, I, I again, I, I I strive to you know, it's four hundred and fifty pages in this this big fat book, and and you you have identified the. Uh, 
one of the two stories that touches the going away of things, the going away of the natural world. And, and neither story is exclusively addressing the going away of, of something in the natural world. It is a larger going away. The dominant theme in the story that you're referencing is the going away of their these these young people's uh, innocent friendships and innocence. Mm. That That's the going away. And, and so the, the secondary going away is the health of this this polluted river. Um, but as I mentioned with, you know, nature is symbol, I, I really, I, I feel like if I touch that, I will get electrocuted. I do not, and the reader, worse yet, the reader will get electrocuted. So mm. I strive to keep that out of the stories. Those That story and one other called Titan is this where I just, uh, almost out of boredom, I say, well, what happens if I let that come into the story? What will happen? Will everybody get electrocuted? How close can I come without blowing the story and, and my... Uh, my artistic values, uh, you know, to smithereens, and and uh, and and um, I got really close there. I got really close, and so then I think, okay, that's a problem. How can I compensate with it? Well, you bear down and make these these fantastic uh, images and sentences that transcend or or uh, transcend any idea of a message. Uh, and again, you you work you work contradictory. You have the going awayness of things be beautiful. You have the going awayness of things. Uh, revive and 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 redeem the, the characters, and instead of being, uh, you know, having the characters weep, uh, you know, crocodile or, or big big tears of, of sadness over the loss of nature, you have it be a beautiful thing, which is not my aesthetic. You know, the loss of nature is not a beautiful thing. Mm. So, so, but I am in the, in that story and one other. I do, you know, out of the, out of the whole collection, I do come close to even being aware that Rick, the environmentalist, is is over on the horizon of all the others i if i see that guy coming over the hill i'm going to shoot at him and say oh you you're this is morning time you i'll see you in the afternoon but don't don't get near me uh because because it is so toxic uh to have an agenda or to be didactic in in, in short fiction uh uh short fiction is, is for me is 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 strengthened by mystery it's strengthened by the reader and the writer going on a journey where neither knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. so that when they make discover the resolution there is a partnership there is a, an equity in the discovery if, if i sit down at the table and i'm going to you know deliver a tract that i'm the writer know all along is going to be that this dam should not be built or this pipeline should not be built then i'm withholding a secret from the right from the reader and i'm trying to hoodwink the reader into believing what i believe and that's just not interesting to me and it doesn't make good fiction so i have to insist on rejecting that that person and keeping him right and and and, and out of mind and and and, and really just uh, prosecute him just have him not be be in the territory um you know the the going awayness of things, the disappearing of things. That's that certainly you know in literature pre, predates environmentalism. I mean, mm. uh, the the, the uh, great Montana writer Tom McGuane uh, said that Shakespeare said that all literature is about loss. I don't know that quote. I never heard Shakespeare. I don't know where he said that. I think McGuane made that up as he's wont to do sometimes. But I think he, I think it's McGuane's personal opinion, and he was just trying to pin it on somebody. He thought everybody would nod their head and say, "Oh yeah, it must be right." But it is right. Um, and I thought it was a bummer message. As soon as I heard McGuane say it, I went and looked at all my uh, favorite books on my shelf and thought, okay, damn, that one is about loss. That one's about loss. You know, loss or the recognition of loss. That is why we write something to begin with. Even if it's a celebratory work, the purpose of the celebration is, 
you know, implicit, the subtext is, it's not going to be this way forever. And, and so there's a, there's a subconscious awareness or acknowledgement of the going awayness of things. So either Shakespeare was right or Tom McGuane was right, but uh, I, I don't know. But um, I don't think it has anything to do with environmentalism. I think it's just kind of the, the fuel of literature, of conflict, of, of the going awayness of things. One thing I did want to say, I feel like I learnt a lot about the natural world. The incredible descriptions, whether of, of, of dealing with an elk, skinning an elk, and how you how you deal with the hide. What would you do with 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 trees to stop we you know um, weevils, beetles, and things getting it? I felt I was learning a lot um, based on I assume an incredibly sort of accurate knowledge of of nature that you that you've accrued. Or is that an important? Part of your writing, partly because it's it's uh, so much of your writing is, is entwined with the idea of memory and wanting to to remember the the act of writing as as memorialising perhaps a way of life. Yeah, no, I think uh, again back to the the Williams quote: "No ideas, but in things." It, I think it's just a uh, specificity is is a, is a valuable. Uh, craft technique, and, and and whether whether it's uh, you know knowing which bus, which subway to get on at what time of day to have more space, or 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 uh, you know or how to how to drop the the be- the pines with the beetles in them in the spring before they can can multiply. It's just, it's just part of the fabric of the characters' lives, and and being specific about what their days look like helps uh, give points of attachment for the reader. Um, instead of saying a sentence like. Uh, you know, he he knew he knew uh, downtown London like the back of his hand. You know, show it. Uh, you know, don't just tell it. Instead of saying he knew the forest well, don't don't just say it. You know, don't tell it. Show it. And, yeah, that makes the story gives the reader a point of attachment through the five senses: taste, touch, smell, sight, sound, scent. Yeah, I felt so, so often quite overwhelmed actually. Um, extraordinary thing about being under under the ice and following the the dogs and. There was a, there's a lovely moment where they try to heat the paws up uh, over a, over yeah. a flame, yeah. and I, was so, I felt such relief that the, <laughs> the dogs had found some some comfort. But but I did feel overwhelmed by the world. Um, is is that, <laughs> is that is that something that ple- that would please you? Um, very very much. Yeah. I mean, why why else go into a story than to have again the the senses and the cells burn. You know, with that, that incandescence, you can't you can't glow like that, you know, all the time. But that's why we go into stories is to experience that that illumination, that incandescence, and then <clears throat> until the filaments start getting hot, and then it's time to get out and cool down. Again, I love these stories about some pivotal moments in people's lives, whether they're looking back on a moment or, as you said, that I think you're particularly brilliant about writing about teenagers, sort of being on the brink of life. But also having a sort of lack of consciousness about what they're experiencing. At some point, they'll get and they'll become again almost like a sort of fall into into consciousness. It's, it sounds sort of from what you were saying earlier that, that collecting these stories has been a bit like that for you, as sort of a, a chance to move on and perhaps do different things. Whether it's a novel that's been been building, does does it feel like leaving? You've left things behind. Yeah, very very much so. Feels feels uh, a real departure and. Uh, I worked hard. I did my best, and I can look back and be proud of it. But I'm not. It's not a question of being satisfied or, or dissatisfied. It's just uh, okay. That was hard work, and I did my best, and I like what I see. But I'm more interested in what what I'm looking forward to ahead. Yeah, it's a good feeling. 
you're writing this novel. What what is it about this particular novel that's caused you pain for twenty years? Um, it's ambition. Um, you know, writing about really big themes uh, in in fiction. Uh, uh, not surprisingly, the nature of time, uh, the nature of happiness, the nature of greed, uh, the nature of uh, the, the conflict between these uh, these really big. Ideas. Uh, I just don't want to get too specific. You know, okay. it's like an old, old writer's uh, taboo. I'm so. I mean, I really want to tell you about it, but uh, sure. you know, this is what they said about about Joyce and Ulysses. And somebody was co- complaining that it took so long to read it. And he said, "It took me 14 years to write it. You can spend 14 years reading it if you want." Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it later, or, or or you can just read it when I'm done. That sounds so rude. No, no, I'm. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm to be told to, uh, to buzz about it. Are you optimistic um, about human nature? No. No, I'm not. Um, uh, no, what's the other word than optimistic? Uh, no, I'm not optimistic, but I have hope. That, that's, uh, yeah, and... You know, nature will surprise you. You know, everything will surprise you. Just as soon as you think you've got it figured out and you, you know, you know the lay of the land and you know what's, you, you see how things are going to go. Nature is, is, you know, constructed of nothing, if not irony and opposition. And, uh, you know, we, we in America, for instance, or we in the world, you know, the global community could be on, on the verge of, uh, you know, great, you know, a great awakening of consciousness. I mean, it's... Sometimes the closer you get to the pit, or, or, or you know, or, or the abyss, uh, you know, that can be that can be the catalyst to uh, awaken that which you all always knew and just just weren't really forced to choose or act upon. Uh, so I can have that hope. That's not an optimism, but it's a hope.